Again, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. I'll begin reading at verse 18 tonight. I was counting back um, when we started the church 28 years ago. Sue and I loaded up two small kids, came up to Greeley, didn't know anybody, and uh, on this new venture of faith, and uh, it's been a tremendous blessing and privilege to uh, pastor this church and to be able to teach the Word of God in this community. This is my 28th Christmas and um, and teaching, and so you start to think, what is it that you want to teach on again? Because we've gone over... Uh, a lot of the passages over the years, of course, that deals with the birth of our Lord. Luke chapter 1, how the angel came to Mary and told her that she would be carrying the son of the highest, the long-awaited Messiah, the Holy One called the Son of God. And then, of course, Luke chapter 2 is the incredible record of the night that Jesus was born as Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there is no room for them in the end. And then the message of the shepherd that was from the angel that, that as they were out in the fields by night uh, was, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all peoples, not just to you in Israel, and not just to you shepherds, but for all peoples. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then in Luke chapter 2, we also read about Simeon, the response, seeing the Christ child. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the temple only about 10 miles from Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And they brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord, to dedicate him there at the temple. And we've even looked at Galatians chapter 4, a study we went over not long ago, where Paul writes that when in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, that he may free us from the curse of the law, that we can have the spirit of adoption, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And then Matthew chapter 2 tells us how the magi, the wise men from the east, came following that star. And we have come to worship the one called the King of the Jews, as Herod had asked, why are these guys passing through Judea? He wanted to see them. And when he heard that that they were coming to worship the new king of Israel, of the Jews, that he was very troubled, and it says all of Jerusalem was troubled. And how did those wise men know that to follow that star, to come and, and worship the new king of Israel, of the Jews? And we know the prophecies of Daniel chapter 9, perhaps, were taught to them some 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Even Numbers chapter 24, the prophecies of Balaam from the east that would say that a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So here is Herod the Great as he's upset in Matthew chapter 2. You know that he called for the religious leaders. And he said, where is this Messiah of yours supposed to be born? And they said, according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he's going to be born right down the street, just a few miles from here in Bethlehem. And what interests me, and I've said this to our congregation, I think, last week when we were having the services, is that those religious leaders, there's no record of them making the trip just a few miles 
to go to Bethlehem to check it out. They knew the prophecies. They were to be expecting the Messiah to come, but they didn't even make the effort to go a few miles to go and see that, you know, the wise men had said that the, the king of Israel has been born. They should have checked it out. And I really think that as tonight, as you come here, as we go to Bethlehem once again, that you're going to be tremendously blessed because you expended the energy and made the time to come. And as we look at all these familiar passages of Scripture, the, the record given to us concerning the birth of Jesus, I was praying about what to share this Christmas Eve once again. And I want to read the story that uh, is given concerning the announcement given to Joseph, who would be espoused to Mary. And what can happen over the years, and and listen, it can happen to me, is that the story of Christmas can become very routine, very mundane, just kind of we know, we can quote Luke chapter 2, we can quote these passages, we, even non-Christians are very familiar with it, and it's no longer touching our heart. And it's a good time for us right now to stop for a few minutes because this time of the year it gets very busy. There's baking, there's shopping, there's uh, things, projects that need to be done, schools finished up, traveling perhaps, cards that need to get out. All these things that we've been so busy with and hopefully you're done with all of that. Hopefully no one has to stop by Target tonight after this service or Walmart uh, and you're free tomorrow. Just enjoy your family and to really ponder these things even as Mary did on that night that Jesus was born and she held Jesus in her arms. It says she ponders all of these things because it is such a magnificent story. But I kept coming back to Matthew chapter 1, because on Sundays we've been doing a series called Behold the Days Are Coming. With all the upheaval and all the uncertainty and the war going on in the Middle East, we wanted to go over and talk about the second advent of Jesus. And as we close the year and at this Christmas, there can be a lot of uh, feeling of overwhelmed and anxiousness perhaps. Maybe not just because of what's going on in the world, but because of what's going on in your life personally. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, that as the birth of Jesus Christ was as follow, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel, the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, That behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Keep in mind that as we read this, that Messiah had been promised clear back in the beginning of Genesis. Clear back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and we were now faced with a fallen world. Uh, Sin and death came to every man now. And God said that I'm not going to leave you without any hope. 
But he said to the serpent that deceived Eve that, that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and the woman being the one whom Joseph is espoused to, that is Mary, and was to live with, with the rest of their lives together as husband and wife. And, and her seed is going to uh, crush your head, serpent. And all throughout the Old Testament, mankind waited for the fulfillment of that hope given to us in Genesis chapter 3. As time passed, Abraham was called to be the father of a great nation, which the Messiah would come. He would come from the line of David, a descendant of David. And when Mary was told by Gabriel that she would be carrying the Christ child, she was told that the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Luke chapter 2 again records for us that it came to pass that in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to register with Mary his betrothed wife who was with child. But before Luke chapter 2, the, the record of Jesus' birth, we come here what we read in Matthew chapter 1. And in verses 18 and 19, Joseph were in that espousal period that we read about. And they would be considered married. In ancient Israel, it's different than uh, what uh, couples go through in the uh, marriage process today. They would be considered married even though they, as they were espoused to each other. But that period would last about a year to where they didn't live together. They did not know each other intimately. It would be closer to the engagement period that we see with couples today. Except in ancient Israel, the only way that you could break that espousal period was actually through a certificate of divorce. And Joseph here, I believed he loved Mary very much. He was excited to, to marry her, to have their, their lives together. He knows that he's going to be with an incredible, godly young woman. Matter of fact, uh, Mary, most scholars believe that she was only about 16 years of age. She's a teenager. But her depth of maturity uh, spiritually, her devotion to the Lord is given to us in Luke chapter 2 after she's told that she's carrying the Christ child, that which is conceived of you, Mary, is of the Holy Spirit, that you read her response. It's called the Magnificant. And she just praises the Lord in the depth of spirituality and devotion is quite incredible. And he gets word, uh, we don't know how, uh, he gets word that, that Mary is with child. Was it Mary herself that told Joseph? Uh, was it somebody else? But I'm sure when he first heard that news that his heart sank. Confusion would fill his heart. How can this be? And Joseph, being a just man, wanted to put her away secretly. We assume that that, that would take place after Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her, you're blessed among women and you're going to have the Christ child. His throne's going to be established forever. And Joseph here, in that confusion, in that wondering, and how can this be, he wanted to protect her. 
And then the angel appeared, I suspect, to to Joseph here, because Gabriel is associated with messages concerning the coming of Messiah. And he says that don't be afraid there in verse 20, as we read, while he thought about these things, the angel said to him and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Joseph, don't be afraid. The very first words given to Joseph The very first words given to Mary by Gabriel was the same thing. Don't be afraid. The very first words given to those shepherds on the night that Jesus was born was what? Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all peoples. I know that there are going to be those, maybe some here tonight and tomorrow, three services, that they come here and they're anxious, they're fearful. There's uncertainty that they have in their life, confusion, there's pain, there's loss, there's disappointment. And the word to you on this Christmas Eve is the same word that was given 2,000 years ago, that don't be afraid. Because the message of good tidings of great joy is given to all peoples, and that includes all of us here tonight. That includes us at this Christmas. We don't have to be afraid. And you might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor, uh, but I am anxious. I am afraid. I have a lot of things that overwhelm me, and, and uh, I have a lot of things that I'm facing, a lot of uncertainty. I don't know what the new year is going to bring. Why don't I ha- have to not be afraid? Why are you saying that? Well, number one, very important, verse 21 here. She's going to bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. He's going to save his people from their sins. You see, the people waited for the Messiah to come for so long. And people in this day were very much afraid. Do you know that? Rome ruled the the world. It was a forced peace. They, They bludgeoned everybody into submission. And when Caesar Augustus, the emperor, makes his decree that everybody's going to be in transition in the empire... You're going to go register for a new census. You're going to register for new taxes. No one could protest that. Joseph couldn't say, you know, my spouse's wife is nine months pregnant. We can't make that 90-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. No one dare shake their fist at the emperor. No one protests. You didn't speak negatively towards him, or they were going to deal with you very severely, very harshly, sometimes permanently. We know that people are afraid of, as I've already said, Herod the Great. The only reason that he was called the Great is because he was a great builder, but he was a terrible man, very paranoid that somebody would take his throne. Why are you guys here, you wise men, to worship the new king of Israel? He calls for the religious leaders. Where is this Messiah you're going to be born? And then you know he made that decree concerning the children two years and under in Bethlehem as they would be slayed. He was a very cruel man. It says that, when, that Herod was troubled in his heart when he heard that. And then all Jerusalem was troubled. And then they had the religious leaders. The religious leaders who put the burdens on the people. And they would threaten as we go through the Gospels to excommunicate anyone who associated with Jesus. And to be excommunicated in those days, that was a very serious matter. I mean, it wasn't like you could go down the street to a church somewhere else. 
You were ostracized from society. You were in big trouble. So people lived with burdens. They were afraid. They were afraid of Rome. They were afraid of Caesar Augustus, of Herod the Great, of the religious leaders. And they were looking to be freed from all of that. And Joseph, Mary's going to bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua. The Lord thy salvation is what his name means. And as we know that that night that Jesus was born, that it was heaven that looked down. And to that manger as he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and said, heaven has named this little one Jesus, the Lord thy salvation. This is the one who's really going to do it. Because it was a very popular name in Israel in that day. But heaven's name in this baby, Yahshua, the Lord thy salvation. He's going to save his people from their sins. Not from Rome. Not from Caesar Augustus. Not from Herod the Great or the religious leaders. He's going to save his people from their sins. And that's the greatest need. Listen. For any man or any woman is to be saved of sin. He is our Savior. He is the Savior. He is the Lord thy salvation. And you might be here tonight and you think, well, I need to be saved from this person or my boss or that situation. Listen, I don't want to make light of it or that circumstance or whatever. But know this, that the greatest need is to come to the Savior of the world and to be forgiven. And there's a reason why Jesus came. He was born that he might die and die for your sins specifically. As we've been going over this, this series, Behold, the Days Are Coming, and talking about the coming of the Lord, that today there's many religions that are out there, many religions. But I remind my people all the time here that there's only one empty tomb. And Jesus went to a cross, and he's the one that gives you a living hope, not a dead hope, but a living hope. He's the one that went to that cross. And I've met people that have said, God could never forgive me for what I have done. I don't care what you have done. And I don't want to diminish the hurt that you've brought to yourself or to family or what you've done, the severity of it. But when Jesus hung on that cross, he died for your sins, every single one of your sins. And then he cried out, it is finished. He did the work. He paid the price. As he bled into the ground and he would breathe his last and was put into that tomb and he rose again. There's an empty tomb and he validated what he did for you. And the invitation is for you to come to receive the greatest gift that any man or woman could receive. And that is forgiveness of sin and the free gift of salvation. The invitation is always to come. It's not get away or you're beyond hope or you're beyond salvation Christ died for you, and that's the good news. So you don't have to be afraid because, number one, he's going to save his people from their sins. And then second of all, oh, this is so important, and I hope that you remember this as this Christmas season as we go into a new year. But in verse 22, again, so all this might be done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The second reason we don't have to be afraid, here is Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Many of you, you know that section of scripture. She's going to bring forth that son, and also his name's going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. I like that. 
Once again, they waited for the Messiah to come. The Old Testament, it ends with the words of Malachi. And then there's 400 years between Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, and Luke chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, the New uh, Covenant, the, the New Testament, uh, when the angel came to Zacharias in the temple and said, John the Baptist is going to be born 400 years. So called 400 years, silent years. The silent years where there was no prophet, no revelation from God in the land. They were in bondage to Babylon. They were in bondage to the Medo-Persians. They were in bondage to Alexander the Great in the, the Grecian, uh, Grecian Empire. Now they're in bondage to Rome. And I suppose they thought God has forgotten about us. And he's no longer working. And his promise isn't going to come to pass. And all of a sudden... The announcement comes to Mary and Joseph. It's going to be a fulfillment of what Isaiah said 700 years before what we're reading about here in Matthew chapter 1. That Ahaz, who was the king of Judah, asked for a sign. And the Lord's going to give you a sign because Ahaz wouldn't ask. He wasn't right with God. That behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. You see, it's more than God is for us. But he is with us. He's called lots of titles. The son of God, the son of man, Jesus is. Son of the highest. The holy one. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. But I want you to remember this. This Christmas and this we enter into a new year. That he's called Emmanuel. God is with us. And I want you to know that he is with you this Christmas. And maybe you think that, God, are you there? Do you see me? Are your promises true for me? You're hurting. You feel isolated. You're feeling confused, overwhelmed. You're anxious about the new year. Know this. Know this. He came to save you from your sin, the greatest need of any man or any woman. And Emmanuel, God is with us. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to be afraid because God loved you so much that he gave his son 2,000 years ago. I remember as one of the first times, I think it was the first time that I ever went to Israel back in the early 90s. And I remember sitting on the hillsides overlooking Bethlehem. It was in the second week of December, just a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I was watching the shepherd boys, you know, with their sheep and their goats and herding their sheep and calling them and and I remember just pondering, just thinking, how amazing that God loved us so much. Why didn't he just destroy the world and start all over again? You know what the reason is? You. Because of his love for you. And he came to this world, and he would take that cross and walk down the Via Della Rosa. He walked to a place of execution where they pinned him to a cross. And as he was on that cross, his body convulsing, he made atonement for your sins. And I am thoroughly convinced of this, that he was thinking of every single one of you that are here on this Christmas. He knew that you would be here 2,000 years later. And he says, I love you. And I came to die for you. Give your life to me. 
We were talking last week that in Colossians it speaks of our Lord who created us. We were created for his good purposes. And he holds all things together and include our lives. Come to him. The savior of the world. Listen, this world isn't going to save you. This world's messed up. And you can't save yourself. But the one who gave 2,000 years ago, he truly is the Lord thy salvation. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this message that we're all familiar with. But, Lord, we want to make it real in our hearts that Jesus was born a Savior, the Savior, in the city of David, Christ the Lord. And I pray that you bless everyone here, that we would really stop for us as believers to really stop and ponder these things, the great love that you showed to us that 2,000 years ago in that little insignificant place as far as the world was concerned, out there in the hillsides of Judea on a quiet night, that the creator of the whole world, our creator, was born. God incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ. So wonder the angels marveled when they looked into the face of that baby. And they said, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill towards men. And it is a time of year where you can lose our peace, we can lose our joy, we can lose our goodwill because of the busyness of things. That's just all part of it. But I pray that we truly would this night and tomorrow Give thanks to you for your wonderful provision, the giving of your son who died for our sins and rose again. And I want to pray if there's anyone here, listen, or you're online listening, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that you can receive is the free gift of salvation, and it is available for you. And he came and died for every sin that you committed. All manner of sin is forgiven. He made atonement for your sins. And he desires for you to come and confess, I need you as the Savior of the world, as my personal Lord and Savior, because I am a sinner. And forgive me. And he desires to give you a new heart for you to surrender your life to him and to experience life the way it was meant to be lived, a relationship with him, with the true and the living God, because anything less than that is going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you confused and fearful in this mixed-up, crazy world. And even though we come to Christ and we may face challenges, we can understand this and know the promise of God. Emmanuel, God is with us. If you're here tonight, you've never made a commitment to Christ, we don't want to make it difficult for you. But right where you are, sincerely, as the invitation is to come, that you can sincerely in your heart pray, Jesus, I come, and I ask that... You would be my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on that cross for me and you rose again and you're alive and you're speaking to me. And I give my life to you now. And I thank you for this new beginning and, and forgive me of my sins and bringing me into the family of God. I thank you for a living hope that I now have in Christ because I believe he rose from the grave. I thank you for this free gift by faith. But I do want to walk with you and to know you all the days of my life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Amen.